football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to... Another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, and as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the pod, reacting to a Denver Nuggets uppercase W on national television over the Los Angeles Clippers, 127 to 115, in a game that, uh, honestly, although it got a little bit tighter down the stretch, it never, I never, um, my basketball gut never said that the Nuggets were going to lose that game. It, it had always felt like they were going to win the game. They were, um, you know, in control for, uh, I don't know, uh, 90% of the contest. If I was just going to, you know, throw a number at it, <clears throat> they led by as many uh, as 14. The The largest lead that the Clippers ever had was just three. Uh, so, and that, that was, I believe, pretty early on. Uh, so, in terms of, like, Game over game, uh, emotion or vibe, uh, it's one of the bigger feel-good victories of the Nuggets season because of the context of what had just happened in Boston, a super embarrassing uh, a loss at home in, in, in a game that you guys know the context of it, you know, the MVP chance, Boston takes over Ball Arena, down 25 at halftime, I mean, it was just Ugly. It was a mess. Mike Malone benching the starters, uh, guys speaking up after the game. I mean, it was just it was just a mess. And and Mike Malone said this after the game. I said I didn't know if we were going to uh, win the game, but I knew we were going to come out with like the right energy and focus. And that really started with Nicola on uh, the first two possessions of the game. Nicola uh, jumps the entry pass and has a steal on possession number one uh, on an attempted uh, entry to Zubac and. You know, he goes and actually he had an incredible like QB one pass to Will Barton that he missed. I think it was Will who missed the layup, and there was two or three of those uh, actually on on uh, Tuesday night. So the Nuggets actually should have won by more. There was a handful of just blown opportunities at the rim, guys missing layups, and guys not catching the ball in wide open transition scenarios. Uh, but regardless of that, um, it just it was a feel good win, and the Nuggets needed that. Because they had lost in overtime on Friday in Cleveland. You get clapped at home against Boston. And it wasn't just like the back-to-back losses. It was all that other stuff plus the negative energy from the actual players themselves. And there's still – that's not totally gone away here. I'm going to mention something just to keep an eye on here in just a couple minutes. But uh, really good game from uh, the Nuggets just collectively uh, to shoot you know, 50% from three – uh, Bones Highland, I thought once again uh, is a major major star that game. Jokic goes for thirty points, fourteen rebounds, six assists, two steals, three blocks. He was terrific. Um, got some different looks there uh, from the Clippers, who probably don't want to 
you know, show their entire hand in case of matching up in the playoffs or to play in scenario. But uh, Bones, really, I mentioned him uh, once again. Bones Highland rose and grew with the spotlight. And this has been a theme for Bones Highland rookie year, um, really throughout it. And I tweeted during the game that I think if every Nuggets game was on national television, Bones Highland would average 25. He's just, he's a ham. He's a showman. He's all those things. And he goes four for six from three, uh, finishes with 16 points. He was six for eight from the field. You saw, you saw the range. You saw some of the craftiness. Um, you saw some of the explosive first step. And then the uh, acumen to, to, to throttle down and finish. Um, he had one where, and I forget who the guard was uh, guarding him, but you know, gets him on his hip with the speed and then throttles down on his way to the basket to create contact with his hip on the defender only to explode again and create some more separation on his way to finishing a right-handed layup from uh, the right side of the floor. And it's little stuff like that that if you have that out of the gate, the physical ability to do it match with the acumen, and that's your baseline as a rookie combined with that range. And I just, you know, I, I, I asked this question today in our notes on our radio show here in Denver. Is like, at what point, is seeing, believing. I know he's a rookie. He's going to have mistakes. He he was caught watching on a backdoor cut um, that was just, you know, you're just sleeping. You're, you're flat-footed. And that's rookie stuff. But immediately, I think it might have been the very next possession, it was just a, uh, a, a very quick decision uh, in an unsettled transition scenario that got Austin Rivers a wide-open corner three. It wasn't a possession or two after that that he knocked uh, down a, a three of his own. And uh, Bones, you know, from a uh, a shooting percentage standpoint, uh, and see if I can isolate this. Uh, yes, I can. And I got tipped off from this, and I'll give him a shout-out, because he, he was supposed to come on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Then he, something late came up that he didn't know that they were doing over there at DNVR, but it was Harrison Wynn who tweeted, like, look at his shooting numbers um, in the month of March. Uh, Bones Highland is shooting 51% from three in the month of March. Now, some of those are like, hey, you're like four games into the month. We're like, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're ten games in. It's a pretty good sample size to be shooting forty-one per, or fifty-one percent. Excuse me, over the course of a, of a ten-game stretch, it's really good because he was struggling there uh, in February, and I remember talking about it, going through his game log. Um, but he has been just terrific. Um, in the month of March. So hopefully that continues as as Denver tries to finish these last nine regular season games and stay into the stay in the sixth seed, which they are now back in. I know Nuggets Nation, myself included, down on the team coming off the Boston loss, and they're in that play-in game, and you start like kind of you know some were freaking out. One of our hosts here um, at the fan said, "Hey, their their season's over." I feel like their season ended um, uh, last night. And, uh, you know, that's not, you know, that was a little hyperbolic. But, but I will say this, and, and this is not to be a wet blanket. Um, I am not going to let the singular win against the Clippers, who are 16 and 23 away from uh, Staples or, I guess, Crypto.com Arena, um, I'm not going to let that 
win on on Tuesday night uh, redefine uh, where I think the Nuggets are at, um, unless they have the Calvary coming in the form of Michael Porter Jr. and and Jamal Murray, I just have major questions. Even with maybe the best basketball player in the world, I just have major questions um, about you know what the ceiling for this team is and what what. What should be the actual goal for these Nuggets if this is the group that heads into the playoffs? And a month ago, if you said that, you know, the easy rebuttal is, well, you're, you're not heading into uh, the playoffs with just this group. At least one of those guys is coming back. Uh, not so fast. We'll circle back to that question uh, in just a minute. There's a couple things in my notes here that I wanted to uh, just get off my chest. The, the graphic that they put up there on the TNT screen that the Nuggets have lost 320 games due to injury. That graphic. And the teams around them are really, really, really bad. And like the Orlando Magic was one of them. I forget who the other ones were. There was two other ones in addition to the uh, Nugs and the Magic. But when you're talking 320 games lost due to injury, that's just insane. When you say it, when you say the same thing you already know just a different way, just repackaged, it can hit you a little bit different. And when I saw that graphic, I was like, damn, man. That is nuts. Uh, the other uh, thing I saw on Twitter uh, during the game, Nuggets Clippers on Tuesday night on TNT, was Katie Wingy, who works for Altitude, tweeting that Jeff Green now has a career high in dunks in any season that he's played. Dude, I, I, I almost like, I have to double, double check it, read it twice. Like, how could that be? How could Uncle Jeff, at 35 years old, a guy who you know came into the NBA when I was in college in 2007. Be with and he's still a very good athlete. Gosh, I mean, if you watch Nuggets, you know that to be true. But a career high in dunks at the time that she tweeted it, it was uh, 63, uh, or excuse me, 66, surpassing the former uh, career high of 63 dunks back in the. 2008-2009 season, which makes sense because that's when he's like 24 years old, not 35. That just that was hard for me to compute, and I think that um, is a product of a couple things. One, just the style of the Nuggets, but also I want to know how many of those dunks uh, were a product of Nikola Jokic. I know there's ways to find that out. I don't have the answer right now, uh, but just that was that really was. Gosh, um, I raised my eyebrows. Hard to believe. Uh, 35-year-old Jeff Green in 2022 is surpassing uh, his former dunk uh, season high. A couple other things here. Uh, Boogie Cousins, um, who I thought was like, you know, at any given point, I I have a thought that Boogie's about to get kicked out of this game. Uh, He did get another technical, but it was almost like Boogie's impact here in Denver in in, in microcosm form because he gets a tech. And then I think it was the next play or maybe a possession or two after he has that slingshot hammer pass to Austin Rivers that was just, I mean, if you um, covered up the jersey number and it was just like a default create a player on a video game and uh, you didn't know the skin color, you didn't know the size, you didn't know the jersey number, and you just saw a guy throw a pass like that, you'd say, yeah, the Nuggets are playing. That's, That's Nikola Jokic. Not so fast. I mean, Boogie Cousins really impressed me uh, with that just individual play last night. I thought it was of the best pass of the game. And there was a really good Jokic no-look there that I I still think that Boogie, like, that pass was like, holy crap. Um, He also had that uh, dunk where he got Robert Covington leaning 
uh, with a jab step and just a really small, really small pump fake jab step with the right foot swing through. No one stepped up appropriately, and he freaking threw down a a real uh, dunk and looked like a he saw like a flash of uh, the former, you know, former All NBA uh, type of guy. And I had one of my buddies back in New York, uh, RJ, tweet um, if Boogie Cousins never got hurt the way that he did. Uh, he'd been a Hall of Famer, and obviously we'll we'll never know, um, you know, if that's true or not true. But I think it's a fair take. I mean, he was that good, and to see just a baby flash of what that used to look like on a night to night basis in Sacramento um, was uh, was pretty cool. Uh, another cool play. I just want to mention here in my notes: Austin Rivers crossing the freaking hell out of Luke Kennard. Woo! Hit him with that Oki. Oh my gosh, he got him good. If you didn't get a chance to to see it, maybe it'll be in the YouTube highlights. Uh, if you can pull them up, uh, Nuggets, uh, Clippers highlights on YouTube. They, NBA does a pretty good job of packaging like a nine ten minute um, uh, package uh, on YouTube. That that definitely uh, made the cut. I didn't see the package, but I'm telling you, it was it was that good. Um, a couple other things here. Uh, I thought. Um, uh, Aaron Gordon's finish to the game, the dunk off the offensive rebound. He looked like he was on a, a little tykes hoop, didn't he? And and Aaron Gordon, you know, didn't have some incredible game and um, hasn't had an incredible couple weeks, uh, actually. Uh, but I thought that was a perfect exclamation point in the feel-good win uh, on, on Tuesday night on TNT. Uh, what else here? Oh, uh, we're talking about Bones. And uh, I mentioned, uh, why did I mention Harrison? Uh, oh, the unconscious from three. He also, um, our buddy uh, Harrison Wind, uh, tweeted out a picture. Where is this? I know I took a picture of it. There we go. Uh, most threes made by a rookie this season. You got Jalen Green with 116. And then you have Bones Highland with 112. Bones freaking Highland with 112 threes as a rookie, second to only Jalen Green. But the attempts, or excuse me, the uh, uh, the minutes, <clears throat> the minutes, he put them in parentheses there, and I just thought it was impactful. Jalen Green has four more made three-pointers in Bones Highland. He's played um, 1,776 minutes, so 1776, just like the, the start of our country. 1,776 minutes. Bones Highland has played 1,112. So a massive, you know, 600-plus difference in minutes. Um, that's obviously part of the context there. And I just, uh, I couldn't be more, I could not be more impressed. Um, and Jalen Green, I remember, you know, uh, talking about him coming out of uh, the NBA draft. He en- <clears throat> he ends up um, in uh, Houston. Uh, with the Rockets. And he's a nice young player, but to have Bones Highland nipping on his heels with 600 less minutes is just, you know, it's insane. It's it's absolutely insane. Uh, and a testament, man. A testament to another good one uh, that uh, Tim Connolly uh, found there out of VCU late in the first round in this past year's draft. Uh, all right, moving on from the game uh, itself. Uh, big news uh, for the team. Uh, Michael Malone extended... It's a multi-year contract. The news came out from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, by the time that you hear this podcast, the 
the details of the of the extension may be out there, but uh, as of uh, 2.35 in the afternoon on Wednesday, March 23rd, uh, the article says, Denver Nuggets Michael, uh, coach Michael Malone has agreed to a multi-year contract extension, sources told ESPN. All right, so this is just a couple hours old. He said Malone, who had uh, the 2022-2023 season remaining on his deal, will now be tied to the franchise through what it hopes will be a window of championship contention over the next few years. He says across seven seasons, Malone has partnered with MVP Nikola Jokic, Nuggets president of basketball Tim Connolly, and this has been, uh, I'm stopping a reading from a Woj here. Uh, this has been the perfect marriage to date in terms of an executive like Tim Connolly, a coach like Michael Malone, with a player like Nikola Jokic. From a relationship standpoint, you know how much this means uh, to the Nuggets organization. It doesn't work here in Denver if the relationships are not as solid as they currently are. And I think that all parties involved deserve a lot of credit for that. From Tim Connolly, you know, trusting Michael Malone and um, Michael Malone, you know, fostering the relationship for years now uh, at a time with Nicola from, you know, every offseason flying over to Serbia and spending time uh, with Nicola. I just think all that stuff really, really matters. And Michael Malone, he is not new here, okay? This is seven seasons now. And you're talking about a guy who, after George Carl and Doug Moe, his 309 victories are third all time. And I think that what how things fell this season was uh, maybe, uh, I don't know about a last piece, but a, a, a definitive piece of validation um, for Tim Connolly to get this done. Because who would have really been shocked if the Nuggets, after losing two of their three top scorers, are... Three games under 500. Would that have shocked anyone in addition to losing P.J. Dozier with an ACL? That's not what happened. They're 13 games over 500. They're sixth in the Western Conference. And, you know, for that combination of three guys to not have played a single game together and that still be the case, I just think is, um, you know, at some point, at some point, Michael Malone deserves freaking credit for this, right? It's not just about Jokic. Now, the, the biggest piece of the uh, credit pie goes to Nicola, no question. But damning, uh, damn it, uh, coaching matters, guys. And it's not just the coaching. It's uh, the style of coaching. It's the temperament. It's knowing, um, you know, your group the way that Malone does. And you hear criticisms of, like, you know, I can't believe, you know, Mike Malone called his team soft again. Uh, he needs to stop doing that. And, and look – in some of those moments, I understand why that's being said, but no one knows this basketball team better than than Michael Malone, and he only is, is pulling that card because it's in his deck to pull. So, I I I I think Michael Malone is the right coach for this organization and this team. He's been the perfect coach up until this point. Now, now, just the question is like. Is he the guy that can get the ball over the top of the hill? You push that rock up. Can you get it over? And. Um, gosh, man, we don't know for sure if he is, but you've seen a lot of evidence uh, on why that uh, can be the case. And if not Michael Malone, who? I I just don't think, um, I just don't think, like, what would you do, move on from Michael Malone after this year? 
oh, so then he's going to be a lame deck coach going into his final year? I think this is a good move from the organization. Is there a certain you know degree of faith involved? Sure there is. But I think Michael Malone has, has earned uh, most of that faith. All right, last thing here. Uh, the update on Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. Guys, I have no idea what the hell is going on. The organization is operating like they have uh, codes to um, a nuclear bomb. All right. Uh, we had George Carl on our station just two days ago, and he, he brought it up. said, I don't know why this has to be so secretive. Like, being transparent and forthright is probably the best way to go about it. And the expectations can just move along with the updates. But without any updates and serious secrecy, a shrouding, these two cases, you're left to do what we do, guess, speculate, try to use your imagination and forecast, because we don't have anything of substance to draw from. Chris Haynes uh, on TNT, who had a rough night to his uh, the start of his broadcast, I don't know what was going on there. He looked like he was a deer in the headlights. I, I don't know why that was the case. Uh, but he reported that Michael Porter Jr. Um, is behind Jamal Murray. In uh, his return, okay, um, then why would Michael Porter Jr. not be in Grand Rapids? Um, or no, excuse me. Yes, Haynes said, and I'm trying to get this right because there's a lot here. <clears throat> Haynes said Michael Porter Jr. is behind Jamal Murray, okay? Then Monte Morris says Jamal Murray has looked, quote, magnificent in his workouts, end quote. Okay, Uh, then Michael Malone says Jamal's not that close. That if they were in a they were in a play-in scenario, then you know he'd be there. Could be a surprise like you know Jamal Murray, and I'm like, wait, now it's turned into you know a surprise if Jamal Murray is you know playing for the Denver Nuggets in the month of uh, April or May. I mean. The, the regular season's over here on April 10th for Denver. There's nine games left. I've gone back and forth on this, all right? And this feels like there's mixed reporting. Uh, this guy's saying this. This other guy's saying that. I don't like it, all right? I don't like it. I understand that, you know, we talked to Matt Moore, uh, the Action Network, uh, host of the Lockdown Nuggets podcast. And I believe I'm going to be on that uh, with, with him tomorrow. Um, so on Thursday. Uh, March uh, 23rd or 24th, um, he's saying like we, we had him on the show today. He's like, this is about player empowerment. And they're just kind of letting the guys, you know, steer the ship on this one. Um, you know, and, and it's a possibility that that's the case. And the, and the guys just don't know. Like Jamal just like legitimately doesn't know. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. just doesn't know. Um, we've gone back and forth with it. And we talked about it, that Jamal was no longer working out on the main court in Ball Arena before games, which he had been. Was he working out upstairs? Did he have a setback? No one knows. He was back out there on Tuesday, but he wasn't jumping at the start of the workout. Uh, Guys, I I just don't know. I just don't know. But here's where I'm at personally. Um, I am just totally preparing myself for neither guy to come back. It's that simple. There's nine games left. Nine. Not 19. Not 15. If nine games left, single digits, playoffs are right around the corner. If these guys are not playing full court five on five, 
I just think we should be preparing ourselves um, with a base coat, with a little primer, that this thing is not going to happen. Mentally, that's where I'm at. And if one of them does happen and it's breaking news and it's, well, then, then I'll readjust accordingly. But until then, I just do not have enough to draw from to lead me with confidence to say, yeah, any of these guys are going to come back. And this is sort of brings us all back to where we were four months ago or whatever it was, that this is the year before the year. And you don't want to just have a, a, a defeatist mentality about a season in which you're 13 games over 500 and in the sixth seed and maybe have the MVP again. You, you don't want to do that. Uh, just quit before the thing starts. But at the same time, I can't get on here and lie to you and say I think that this group without two of their top three scorers are going to get out of the second round. I think if they get to the second round, that's probably a success. That's probably a success. I just can't see it uh, going any farther than that. But I am uh, willing to be surprised. You know, um, I'm just coming off an episode earlier in the week where it was just dreary. Right? It's like I had an umbrella during the episode because it was just raining. But I also said during that same episode that maybe I'm wrong because every single time the Nuggets are down and out, they freaking pull an undertaker and wake up and prove you're wrong. So maybe that'll be the case in uh, the the middle to late April. Um, we're fixing to find out. But we don't have to wait long. Just nine games left. The next one on the docket is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, tomorrow evening, that's Thursday, March 24th at 7 o'clock. That's at home. And then you got the Oklahoma City Thunder at home on Saturday. A chance to... Uh, Avenge, uh, when was that game for the Nuggets? Uh, Oklahoma City. That was the beginning of the month uh, when they lost at home 119 to to 107. A chance to redeem themselves um, at Ball Arena once again. So we'll see how that shakes out. But first things first, Phoenix on Thursday evening. And guys, you know whatever happens against Phoenix and then Oklahoma City, we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Football is back and the world-famous Superbook Sports is ready for all the gridiron action. Looking for a place to catch the game? Head up the hill to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk and experience the thrill of the games live on one of our 28 state-of-the-art TVs. Superbook Sports has all of the amenities you could ever want in a traditional sports book. Good food, tasty beverages, and the best view in Blackhawk. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help.